Martin Luther King Jr. spoke this powerful truth when he said, the church must remember it is neither the master nor the servant of the state, but rather the conscience of the state. The church must be reminded that it's not the master or the servant of the state, but is the conscience, but rather the conscience of the state. We are in some interesting times as a nation. We are getting ready to go to the polls. Today I'm going to, this is kind of my election day message for you. And I'm going to be talking about some sensitive topics that are going to be evident as we go to the polls because... Um, certain parties have made it very clear where they stand on issues of abortion, LGBTQ issues, and religious liberty. Today, I am going to do my best to tackle those three topics. And it's important that we understand um, why those are important, how they're biblical, how we reference them, in preparation for what we're going to do on Tuesday. For those of you who don't know who I am or are watching for the first time, my name is Mark Warren, and I'm one of the pastors here at Grace Capital Church, and we are here to help you get ready to meet Jesus face-to-face by equipping you to reach the lost, to care for the least, and to train the found. That's all of our responsibilities. But as we start talking about these issues, we have to understand them not through a political lens, but through a spiritual lens. Because we can only understand the complexities of these um, issues because, um, because they are complex if you just take a worldly perspective. Women's health, gay rights, now transgender issues, um, can be difficult. Like, should we leave it with compassion? How do we take a stand or not take a stand? And, and it can be confusing if we don't understand it through a spiritual lens. Last week we talked about uh, we can go to the polls with confidence when we understand our citizenship of heaven. We're going to dig a little deeper today and understand really how this first gets started, this battle between right and wrong got started, and we're going to be in Genesis chapter 3, verse 4 through 7. Before I get too far in there, I do want you to open up the scripture. I do want you to get on your device, find that. I want to let you know today's message is probably going to go a little bit longer than normal because of the the importance of this topic, and I don't want to rush through it. And so if you need to leave Um, At the top of the hour, 11 o'clock, if you're here in the service with us, I understand um, I won't take it personally like you don't like something I've just said and you've left and I'm going to be crushed by it. Not at all. I I understand. But we are probably going to be about 15 minutes over today. So we have to begin in the beginning really where where it started. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 4, it says this, But the serpent said to the woman, talking about Eve, this is in the Garden of Eden now, you will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of of it, the eyes will be opened and you'll be like like God, knowing good and evil. 
So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make her wise, she took the fruit and ate it. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. The eyes of both were opened and they knew that they were naked. And they uh, soon sued, sewed, okay, fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. They covered themselves. They realized they were naked. In the garden, God said, don't eat of this one tree. You can eat of everything, but not this one. And right out of the gate, Satan whispers a lie and said, did God really say that? That is the context of which everything that we're going to be talking about today is going to be run through is the lies of Satan who said, did God really say that? Did God really say that? The interesting thing is once they um, disobeyed God, and by the way, God wasn't saying, hey, you can't eat it because I'm keeping something good from you. (laughs) He's saying, I'm protecting you. I'm protecting you. God in his such love and mercy and grace for us gives us instruction because he loves us and he knows what will bring hurt and pain to us. So the first thing that Adam and Eve, after they ate of that fruit, they realized that they were naked. In other words, shame came into them. Guilt came into them. And they tried to cover themselves up. And this is the the challenge with anything that is opposed to what God is. It produces shame and guilt and then it becomes a whole cover-up. And we'll go through this in a moment. See, Satan's primary goal is to separate you and I from God and to remove our peace. Can you say peace? He wants to remove your peace because if he can do that, then you have angst on the inside. And then without Jesus, you're going to go down to some very dark places that's going to bring destruction to your life. We know, John 10, what is the enemy's Purpose, to kill, steal, and destroy. Satan hates you. He hates you. He wants you dead. He wants to torment you. And he masks himself so many times as an angel of light. But he is the father of lies. He whispers, did God really say that? Well, we have to understand, again, this is not a battle between a political idea our Ephesians 6:12 says for our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against the rulers against the authorities against the powers of dark this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms this is where our battle is being waged right now in the heavenlies i believe probably it's been probably almost a year now that i heard the voice of god say the Kraken has been released. Now, I don't, maybe I saw it in a movie somewhere. I don't know why this Kraken thing comes to my mind. I probably did. But why it resounds inside of me with such great fervor is realizing that Satan knows his time is coming to an end. And he wants to take down as many people as he can. He hates you, remember this. (laughs) He wants to kill you. And then we have to realize, though, that his tactic is to whisper lies to you to say, did God really say that? 
So the making of laws and policy, because it is, we are talking about electing people, right, who make laws and policy for us, but it is often reflective, the laws that are made for our country is reflective of the hearts of those who are representing us. But I want to let you know, legalizing things that are not a part of God's original design only does one thing, tries to cover up guilt and shame with the hopes it will bring peace. That's what happens when we start taking some of these issues that we're going to get into. The idea is if we make it legal, somehow it's going to ease the pain of my poor choices. And really the desire for humanity is to find peace because God who is, or Jesus who is the prince of peace, we're longing to find peace in our souls. And when we can't find it apart from God, we try to legitimatize it by creating it, making it legal. And then when we make it legal, we think it's going to ease our conscience. We think it's going to bring peace. We think it's going to take away our inner turmoil, but the reality, only Jesus can do that. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 20 says this. And by the way, you can find yourself in this verse, just in case you're wondering, you're going to be thinking about other people. Think about yourself. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, married people who sleep with other people, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor rivalers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you and me, but you are washed You are sanctified, you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of our God. Did you find yourself in that list? I want to let you know where it says you will not inherit the kingdom of God. Remember when Jesus prayed um, this prayer, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus has always wanted to establish his kingdom here on earth. And so when he's saying that those who find yourself in that list will not experience the kingdom of God, he's not saying, and by the way, you won't go to heaven. Because we know that we are only made righteous through Jesus Christ. That is our only ticket to heaven. But what he's saying is, if you were to replace the kingdom of God with, with, with Jesus' peace, he's saying that you will not be able to find peace inside of you if you're living in one of these areas of your life. Sexually immoral. In other words, if you're sleeping outside with somebody outside of being married or idolaters, something that comes before um, Jesus in your life is idolatry. Men who practice homosexuality, today we can say that's LGBTQ. Uh, how does that L, lesbian, gay, G, B, bisexual, T, transgender, Q, queer? Okay, so anything in that category, right? And by the way, I want to let you know that this is a sensitive topic because by no means am I making any light of anybody who feels that they are trapped 
in a sexually, uh, in a way that, that they don't, they're trying to find their identity in some places. Uh, my heart goes out to, to you. And, and as we get into the topic of abortion as well, I know many actually probably in this congregation here today would say I've experienced the pain of that. But when we understand that the kingdom of God is his peace, we're saying that when we practice these things, our peace is removed. And really God is wanting to give us peace. And he's saying, these are the things that I want to keep you from to be able to find peace with me and inner peace with yourself. Jesus, the Prince of Peace, found in Isaiah 9, 8. It is only him who can find that peace in our life. It is only through him. We can't conjure it up and we can't legalize enough things <laughs> to find the peace. It's interesting in that same verse in Isaiah, it says this, and this is, a, this is the prophet Isaiah prophesying of who Jesus will be. And in the same verse, it says this, and the government will be on his shoulders, which means Jesus is to remain the head and our government should rest on his ways and his purposes. And the government should rest on his shoulders. So remember, the purpose of government is to uphold righteousness and to punish evil, and that's from 1 Peter 2.14. But when you sin, unless you have justified it away, which we can easily do, right? We can justify our sin, like, oh, everybody's doing it. It's not that bad. It's common. It's, you know, we can justify it. If, but if we don't, we find that we feel that guilt and shame and we lose our peace. So let's sum this up and then I'll actually tackle some of those topics that we're gonna talk about. So the first point is we have an enemy that, that, that loathes you, that will actually um, whisper lies to you to try to distort the truth and to pervert anything of God. His goal is kill, steal, and destroy Especially, here's the real reason why. Do you know Satan was an angel? He was kicked out of heaven. He thought he should be like God. Um, and there can only be one God. He was kicked out. He cannot stand God. So anything that's made in his image, human beings are created in the image of God. He is trying to wipe out humanity to take him down into the pit of hell with him because he feels like that's going to be like, see, I got you, God. But God gave us his son, Jesus, right? That's the solution. That's why Jesus is the answer. But, so we have an enemy who wants to kill, still destroy. And he wants to remove your peace, your shalom. And he wants you to distance you from God, that love relationship that you were always intended to have with your creator. So that's our enemy. Number two is our human response. Our human response when we hear the lie and we Take the bait, the human responses we try to cover up to hide the guilt and shame, right? Adam and Eve, fig leaves covered themselves up. And then we want to find ways to normalize it, to justify it. And every so often we even want to create laws to make ourselves feel better about it. But why? It's because we're trying to find peace. And as long as we can either 
make ourselves numb or as long as we can justify it or as long as we can normalize it or legalize it, we think that somehow it's going to bring peace to us. And it, it doesn't. Only Jesus can bring forgiveness and peace. And then number three, a godless governmental response, and I'm gonna go there pretty quick on the governmental response. This is what, ha- this is what happens. A godless government will then try to take God out of society because if God is out of society, then the conscience is gone, right? And then we make laws to justify sin to help ease the lack of peace. <laughs> so you can begin to see how this, is, how this is being played out on us now, right? And, and yes, there are people behind the policies. Yes, there are people who are making decisions. But I want to say, behind the people is an enemy that's whispering lies, saying, did God really say that? Okay, this is where I want to be sensitive, really, really sensitive with you. And, and I know this is, has a potential to bring up pain, tender feelings. Uh, I was talking with somebody just this week um, who knew I was going to be talking about that, and I know her story, and she had an abortion uh, with her first child, and she's been open with that, but, but yet she knew the pain of that. Some of you have had feelings of same-sex attraction and you understand the confusion on the inside or some of you have felt um, trapped in the, in the wrong gender of, for a body. Some have family members who have identified with a pronoun other than the name that you were given at birth. So, so I get that. I, I understand that there are many, many feelings around this and, and I, I don't want to be so talking about it in such a large um, overarching theme that I don't understand that affects people in the heart, inside, internally, and everybody is looking for peace and this is the struggle we find through these things. But when we have an enemy who's whispering lies in your ears to make you question whether or not you are who you say you are, I want to let you know, before you question too long, God does not make mistakes. God does not make mistakes. Jeremiah 1.5, he says, he formed you and knit you in your mother's womb and even knew you then. He knew you then. He knew you in your mother's womb. He doesn't make mistakes with your gender. And if Satan can bring confusion, he can rob you of your peace. And without Jesus, you will run to destructive places. Believe me, I've been there, not maybe in some of these areas, but anytime you do something that's opposing to God, your peace is robbed. And if you're not willing to bring Jesus into that situation, it will continue to spiral you to places that are dark, that are painful. And no matter how hard you try to cover up those things, your peace will continue to elude you. So let me talk specifically about LGBTQ. People who wrestle with same-sex attraction, have gender dysphoria, um, 
I know too well. I know people close to me who um, live in some of those categories. And they're not categories, by the way. They're people. They're people who have feelings that love that are trying to figure this out. And many, many are in a position where they've either been sexually abused or they've been exposed to a sexual encounter uh, with the same sex and maybe just for fun. And then Satan will use that to say, whisper lies to you. Well, maybe because you are a tomboy, maybe you really are trapped in the wrong gender. But this is Satan's work of deception. To steal your peace, And so you will live a life of pain, of hurt, of regret, and they'll bring destruction to you. Can I tell you that in 2015, and this is uh, just the beginning of this topic of transgenderism that is now, um, today, one of our political candidates, uh, presidential candidates is trying to say, yes, we are for this. We want to celebrate this. We want to give rights to this. And all that candidate is doing is saying, I want more pain for you. I want more hurt for you. Because in 2015, a study was done on those adults facing, um, who, who struggle with, or I should say are challenged or wrestle through, that's a better word, wrestling through being transgender. The suicide rates for those people are like astronomically much higher. Why is that? Because they're trying to find peace. And the lie of the enemy keeps saying, go down this path to to find your peace. And all it does is leaves more despair. I am not against anybody, by the way, that identifies with LGBTQ. I love you. I'm for you. I have compassion because I know that you're looking for peace. And by the way, the things that you go after that separate you from God, I've gone after maybe different things that separate me from God. So we are in the same boat. (laughs) We're in the same boat. But legalizing it does not solve the peace problem. Jesus solves the peace problem. And the moment that we try to solve these peace problems by going governmental and by going legal and by going policy, we are not helping people find the peace that only Jesus can bring. In the study notes that I put out every week, I'm going to put a link to a video I want you to watch from a person named Jeffrey. Jeffrey actually was on this stage at one point during a midweek conference that Cornerstone was putting on. Jeffrey was um, transgender, ended up going through a sex change, ended up becoming a prostitute working in Boston, and then found Jesus. His story or her story, depending on where you find that person in the story, was so depressed, so suicidal, so lost. They try to cover the pain with drugs, try to cover the pain with more sex, try to cover the pain with all of this stuff, but only Jesus was the one who can heal 
that heart. You'll find a link in the study notes. Uh, if you go to our website under this message, go to study notes and you'll find the link there. I, I would encourage you to watch that video. Okay, let me go to abortion for a quick moment. Remember that your enemy wants to kill, steal, and destroy. We got that, right? Satan. Jesus came to give us life. As Christians, we value life so much. And this is why this is, life is, a, is such a big issue for us as Christians is because life honors God, our creator, who created life. We honor God best by honoring the life that he creates. We're made in God's image. And when we snuff out God's image, we dishonor God. In 1974, when um, we had Supreme Court ruling on Roe versus Wade, um, it gave women the right to abort babies. And it's interesting that in the 1960s, the U.S. experienced a sexual revolution. This is important to know. The 60s, before the 70s, beca abortion became legal was a sexual revolution. It's a wonder that many experienced the pain of unwanted pregnancies. And after years of illegal aborting children, they tried to find peace by making it legal. You have to understand the connection here. People who have experienced the pain of abortions are saying, I'm trying to ease the pain and maybe some way we can ease the pain by making it legal. It's estimated that the number of illegal abortions in the 50s and 60s in the U.S. ranged from 200,000 to 1.2 million a year. So our logic in which Satan loves to play with says that we need to regulate abortion to protect women's rights, women's health, I should say, because so many of them died from botched abortions. But remember, Satan masks himself as, uh, himself as light, And he makes us believe that's the compassionate thing to do. But here's what has happened with that compassionate thing to do. There's an estimated 11.6 million abortions every year. Because it was made legal, which means we can snuff out life. And not only is it legal now, it is... Uh, It's legal in many states to bring somebody to full term, a child to full term. And as long as it doesn't pass through the birth canal, they can snuff out life. See, Satan hates you. He hates life. He hates babies. He hates anything that represents who God is. See, Satan, Satan's hand has been all over history. This is not, killing babies is nothing new for him. But how our society is killing them Is, is with greater sophistication today, right? We can kill babies prior to them being born. Now, back in the day, that wasn't the case. And, and Satan used it a little bit more overtly. Remember Old Testament, we see Pharaoh was threatened by Joseph's family becoming more numerous. And so because of that threat, he said, hey, and they're God-believing. Pharaoh's kind of more um, secular. And he's saying, I want a decree in killing all the Hebrew baby boys. And then we know the story of that was Moses being spared in the Nile River during that time. Or when Herod the Great was threatened by the birth of Jesus, he orders all the babies 
and toddlers under two years old to be killed of those who lived in the surrounding area of Jerusalem. See, killing babies is nothing new for Satan. He's just become a little bit more creative and more sophisticated in that. But I want to let you know, anybody who has had an abortion, my heart goes out to you because I know the pain. I've talked with some of you who've said, I can't help but for, I can't take it out of my mind every single year when my child would have turned that age. See, this is, the, the world will tell you that it is a fetus made of cells and and tissue, and it's not a baby, and they're very offended. Actually, I was on a call with somebody who was, who was saying, actually, they texted me. It was random. It said, hi, this is Julie, um, and it's really important for you to vote. Um, are you open to, to me talking about the democratic issues? And I said, oh, here's my chance. <laughs> of course I am. And I said, are you open to talk about some of the issues I want to talk about? She's asking me if I was open. Hopefully she would be open. And I said, I, I really want to stand for life. And I know that, they, that there is a political party that is standing for life. And I talk about, what about all those babies that have been lost? And she says, they're not babies, they're fetuses. But, but you see, this is, this is the thinking that the world has, the whisper of the enemy. So I'm not against anybody who even thinks that way because it's a lie from the pit of hell. I'm not against people. I'm against Satan. Who's a, oh, I almost got fired up. I'm going to say it. He's a bastard. I can't stand Satan because he's wrecking people's lives. Sorry, I just got a little passion there. Oh, man. I'm, I'm ticked. <laughs> All right, bring me back down here. I just felt like I, whew, <laughs> I went someplace. I just want to bring her back a little bit. <laughs> All right, let me just talk about religious freedom for a moment. There's been a political party that has been trying to systematically take God out of our courts, out of her schools, But if our public squares, and this is the beginning of trying to regulate our freedom of religion, which our constitution protects. And why is this so important? Why do I need to talk about this? Well, first of all, that is on the ballot this year as well. Again, this is not a political move. This is a spiritual move. Because, as I said before, if you can remove God out of society, there's no longer a conscience to tell us what's right or wrong. And the enemy is strategically playing that card. He can deceive more people more readily if we can remove God out of society. When we want to take God out of our courthouses, we no longer are making decisions based on what his word says. We're making decisions of what feels right <laughs> or what is intellectually right for the society at the time as opposed to what does God's word say, which gives life, which prospers people.
it kind of reminds me when you take God out of society in Deuteronomy 12, 8, it says, and they did what was right in their own eyes. They did what was right in their own eyes. And I feel like this is, in many ways, if you look at some of the, the laws, depending on you know, newer laws that got passed or older laws, that laws that weren't made through the lens of what does scripture say, we can say, see that they were just kind of doing what was, they thought was right in their own eyes. If the worship team wants to come up, I want us just to consider these three topics. There are more that we could go through, but I think these are the major ones that are representative on the ballots today. And I want to say this, I'm not against any political candidate, but I am against what some of our political candidates stand for. Because they're going to make policies that if, if they're doing what's right in their own eyes and they're listening to the voice of Satan whispering lies, the, the, here's the crazy part of it. If they don't know Jesus, they don't even know it's a lie. <laughs> they don't even know it's a lie. They think that they're doing something out of compassion. Like, why wouldn't we want to protect women's health? Why wouldn't we want to give rights to everybody regardless of, of how they feel in their gender? Right? It, it seems like it's a compassionate thing to do. But if you know what it leads to of greater hurt and greater pain, greater confusion, lack of peace, how could you say that's compassion? You're giving somebody a death sentence. But if you love people, you will uphold what is right because that's what gives people freedom. What's biblical values gives people freedom, hope, life, joy. Matthew 7, 15, it says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inward, inwardly they're ravenous wolves. Or 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen, 14, it says, Satan himself disguises himself as an angel of light. See, sometimes these things seem right, but apart from looking at God's word and what does God say, that's the only framework of which we have to determine if something is right or wrong. So when you go to the polls on Tuesday, will we continue to remove God from our society, trying to soothe our conscience or for our lack of peace? Do we wanna choose representatives, people who will represent us to make laws that cover up our guilt and shame? to try to create a facade of peace. Satan is whispering, his tactics aren't very new. Did God really say that? And he sets a trap and he speaks the lie to everyone who's listening and saying it's normal. 
oh, that's just old conservative. That's the conservatives. It's just old fashioned thinking. Don't you, that's just the old way of thinking about things. But Satan wants to kill, steal, and destroy you. (laughs) And his tactic is first to lie to you, separate you from God, take away your peace, because if he can steal your peace, then he knows that you will substitute destructive habits and make laws to try to cover the pain. It's time to put the government back on the shoulders of Jesus Christ. I want to be clear, the government will not give you peace. Only Jesus can give you peace. But we want the government to uphold God's laws. We want a government to stand for truth. We want the word of God to reveal the lies of Satan who wants to destroy this nation, who wants to destroy you and I. This is what a woman shared with me who experienced the pain of an abortion. And I'll close with this. I give all glory to God for walking me through that incredible, painful decision. Women facing the decision to abort don't need Christians holding uh, signs or hollering at them. They need people showing them the love of Jesus. Women that have aborted don't need to be shamed for their decision. They need people willing to stand with them. In the gap and lead them back to the Father's loving arms. Jesus shed his blood for all sins, she writes. And I have such joy knowing that if I were the only person on earth, He would have still gone to the cross for me. Everyone is trying to find peace, church. Everyone. But only Jesus can heal. Only Jesus can restore. And only Jesus can make the wrongs right. And only Jesus can be our Prince of Peace. Our nation is at a crossroads. This election is about life or death, freedom or bondage. It's time for the church to be the conscience of the state again by going to the polls and voting your biblical values. I urge you to pray, to stand, and to vote this Tuesday. 
Welcome to Church Online. My name is Pastor Mark, and I just want to say thank you for taking the time to join us in watching our services online. Maybe you can't be at our location today and you're watching this from home or on the road. We just want to say thank you for tuning in. And maybe you can't get to a physical location at Grace Capital Church, then this becomes part of your regular routine to do church live on your computer or on your device. We want to say, invite some friends with you. Do church together. Life is so much better together and discovering what God has for us is meant to be done in community. Gather people together and enjoy these services for weeks to come. Thank you for watching. Thank you.